0: today. Uh, some brighter colors, a few few ties out there. Um, uh, I'm wearing just the same old shirt, same old pants. Um, I did get a fresh fade today, this week though. Um, let's pray together. Uh, Father in heaven, we know we can laugh uh, because of your resurrection. Uh, Lord, We uh, uh, we really would be Uh, as your word says, we'd be the most pitiable people alive if you never rose again from the dead. (laughs) So, Lord, we do gather today. We gather to sing. We gather to laugh. We gather to hug. uh, Because you're alive and well. This is who you are. In Christ's name, amen. Um, I'm a, just self-admittedly, I'm a rampant extrovert. And, uh, uh, when I take the Myers Briggs test, my e score is very high and my I don't have an I score uh, My kind of theme in life is the more the merrier if something's fun it's be more fun with people uh, but it, it does get a little embarrassing if, if I begin to um, be alone for a moment if you're an extrovert you know what I do. Um, I start texting people uh, It's a hard for me not to be connected uh, to other folks but it's it it, 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 it can be unhealthy that I and it can be out of control. Uh, it's not always admirable. Um, but what we see in the Scripture, starting in the very, very beginning, in the Garden, in the Garden of Eden, uh, where God says it's not good for man to be alone. And then throughout the Scriptures, you have these two groups of people who are are the people that God has the most concern for, the widows and the orphans. That should make us think, well, shouldn't we have just as, if not... More concern for maybe the abused, for the neglected, uh, for those who are oppressed? Yeah, we should. So, but why are orphans and widows singled out? Well, it's because they're alone. The most, and and this, is, this is so sad. And really, this Easter has everything to do about community. It has everything about addressing our deep need to be in relationship. But usually on, on, on Easter, preachers uh, talk about the historical validity of the resurrection. They talk about how Jesus overcame death, therefore we will too if we believe in him. But I want to go in a different direction. I want to talk about how Jesus' resurrection creates a community where we never, ever have to be alone. And as I began to look at uh, the different texts in the New Testament that talk about Jesus' uh, appearances uh, after the resurrection, well, here's what I noticed. There's 12 of them. Uh, Only two of those appearances are to individuals. Ten of them are to groups of people. And I think that's really telling. I think it's telling because Jesus' resurrection is just as, if not more so, a matter of community as it is a matter of individual experience. This has always been God's plan. Father, Son, Holy Spirit have always existed in, cre- in community. And so when they created mankind, they created, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they created mankind to, have, to, to join in on the community that they already had. This is the way we're wired. We're wired to be in fellowship with God and with one another. And we see that even in the resurrection accounts. Then you begin to think about John 13 to 17. This is where our passage is from today. And John 13 to 17, these are, this is really uh, it's a long extended time of Jesus' teaching that happens just a few, within a, a few days before Jesus' betrayal by Judas. And what we see happening again and again and again is a lot of talk about the unity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What we also hear about in John 13 to 17 is Jesus admonishing his disciples to love one another. See, so do you see how these fit together? You have the unity of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and you have all, these, all, all this teaching on how the slaves are supposed to love one another. What do they have to do with one another? What Jesus is saying is this. Jesus is saying, in this new community of God that's going to be created at my resurrection, we're going to, I'm going to fulfill what, what I intended at creation. And so the drama is really intense. And we get the very last section, the culmination of this section of John in verses 20 to 26. Let's read it together. John 17, 20 26. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, and the love, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. The word of the Lord. Um, It sounds like Jesus is just a stream of consciousness, doesn't it? (laughs) It's like, where is Jesus going with this? He's just going in these circular patterns, kind of saying the same things in different ways, using the same words over and over again. The reason it does that is because this is the way prayer really operates, isn't it? Uh, Prayer isn't teaching. (laughs) Prayer is just a a very fluid conversation with the Father. And we see a great model of it here in John 17. I have three points today. Uh, The first is the model of resurrection community. The second is the practice of resurrection community. And lastly, the results. So we have, we have the model, the practice, the results. Resurrection community. Firstly, in the model. Uh, the model is found in the community of God within himself. Uh, God has never been alone. When we get to the Genesis account, God's uh, existed for all eternity. And sometimes you think, well, God just needed some buddies. Uh, so he created Adam and Eve. That's really not what happened at all. Uh, God was uh, perfectly fine within the community within Himself, within the three persons of the Trinity. I know that one plus one plus one doesn't equal one, but that's divine math for you. (laughs) Somehow in the Trinity three persons are one God. So there's unity and then there's diversity within this community. And so this dynamic of this unified diversity, this diversified unity what does this, this dynamic look like? Well, I think it, there's really three things. They glorify one another. Uh, they have diverse roles. And they love one another. They glorify one another. They have diverse roles. And they know one another. The glorify one another piece. You, 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 we see it in, in earlier in John 17. Uh, Jesus prays, glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. So you see this, this, this deflection of one another, of glory. Father's glorifying the Son, the Son's glorifying the Father. And right before John 17, is John 16 and in verse 14, Jesus says, "The Holy Spirit will glorify me." So the purpose of the Trinity is really clear. They make the other members of the Godhead look good. They don't boast in themselves. If each member of the Godhead had an Instagram feed, which is weird to think about, but if they had an Instagram feed, you would only see members, you would only see pictures of the other two members. The Holy Spirit only takes pictures of the Father and the Son. The Father only takes pictures of the Holy Spirit and the Son. The Son only takes spirit of the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like parents with their kids. You never see pictures of parents. You only see pictures of their kids. See, they're, only, they're, they're completely other-focused. They glorify one another. This model of community, that's what it looks like. And secondly, they have diverse roles. Um, the Father sins. And we see the Father sending in verse 21 that we just read. The Father's the one who's got a plan. Then we see the Son is the one who accomplishes the plan. The Son's the one who implements. The Son's the one who executes the Father's plan. We see it in verse 26. It says, The Son makes known the name of the Father. That's his job. That's what he's accomplishing. And then the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit applies. The Holy Spirit applies what's been accomplished in the lives of those who trust in, G- in Jesus. So they're perfectly united as one, but they're very, very different. The Father sins, the Son accomplishes, the Holy Spirit applies. Diversity within this model of community. And then lastly, they, they, they know one another. Uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're utterly vulnerable with each other. They have full knowledge of one another, full access to one another, and they, and they completely delight in one another. There's full knowledge. We see it in verse 25. Uh, Verse 25 says, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. There's nothing that the Father was keeping secret from the Son. The Son knew everything there was to know about the Father. And then in John 5, uh, Jesus says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he does. That's real access, isn't it? (laughs) The Father's sharing all that he has with the Son. So nothing's hidden. There's full knowledge. There's full access. And then they re- then they fully love one another. You see it, in ver- look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, You have loved me before the foundation of the world. Verse 26, The love with which you love me. So the Son is loved by the Father. So there's the Trinity. Do you see how it works? There are no secrets between them. They totally share resources with one another and they utterly enjoy in one another's company. They really, really really know one another. This is intimacy. And it's what we really want in our most inmost places. Why do we want it so bad? Why do we want this kind of intimacy? It's because we're created in God's image. We're created to be relational. But even though we want it so bad, it's really afra- it's, it makes you really afraid, doesn't it? It's because we live in a fallen world where if you share your secrets, you're afraid you're going to be rejected. It's hard to delight in others because we're so focused on ourselves. So community begins to break down within us. That's not God's fault. It's ours. But we see it lived out perfectly in this model. This is the model. One God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this passage is dripping with Trinitarian implications. Number two, the practice. Um, We read this text and we respond to it with uh, a gloomy pessimism or an unbounded optimism. In three places, Jesus says that they may be one. That they may be one. Well, the gloomy pessimist says uh, Christians can't be one. Christians can't be one. Because a husband and wife can't even be one. Unity is just pie in the sky. They might, the the gloomy pessimists might might even say, well, Jesus is real. Like, I believe that Jesus is really telling the truth, but but Christians really being one isn't going to be a reality in any form until we get to heaven. And in some ways, I can get behind the gloomy pessimists because I don't even know within our own walls that there's gossip between one another. I know within our own walls that there are families in this room that where husbands are against wives and wives are against husbands and children are against parents and all of these people are claiming Jesus. That's in families. That's in our church. But it's in our denomination. If you want to see a divided room, let me take you to our denominational meeting June 12th to the 16th. It's a divided room. Then you begin to look at the the, the denominational makeup of our Neighborhood. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I live closer to this church than maybe every single person in here. A couple of you might have me beat by a block or so. And in my four block walk here, I pass a Catholic church, I pass an African Methodist Episcopal church, I pass a, a different kind of Presbyterian church, I pass an Episcopal church, a Baptist church, and a Methodist church. And Jesus is saying that they're going to be one? I can kind of see the gloomy pessimist's point. I can see why they're chafed. But then there's the optimist. The optimist comes to this and hears that they're all going to be one and says, Yes, unity is Jesus' desire. Can't we all just get along? The optimist has a huge heart for people and tries to come in between divided parties and produce some harmony. And we've got to commend the optimist, it's admirable. But what happens with the optimists usually is that there's a really low bar for the unifying principle of Christian community. The community that the optimists involves is really just a vanilla form of humanitarianism with Jesus slapped on the side. But The community of the resurrection, it demands that Jesus gets to set the limits on who's in and who's out and all who are in have hitched their wagon to Jesus as a resurrected king of all things. So what are you? Do you hear these these, these prayers of Jesus that we may be one, and do you come at it pessimistically? Or do you come at it optimistically? And where are we going to go for the cure? Well, for the cure, we're going to look back at the model. We've got to embrace the ways of community that are modeled within the Trinity. And we have to be empowered by this resurrected Jesus to live this out. We're going to have to repent and turn from our sectarian ways. We're going to have to repent and turn from huddling around some bland, undefined view of love with Jesus cut out. So let's look back. Let's begin to see. what, what What would the model practice within a resurrected community? What would that look like? Well, let's look at glorifying one another glorifying one of them. This is what Father, Son, and Holy Spirit do, but what does this look like among us? I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like uh, when we're focused on ourselves. Because when we're focused on ourselves and our agendas and our needs, community breaks down. But community flourishes when we keep others' needs as central. So we need to quit praising ourselves. We need to keep our mouth shut so that we can listen and we can watch and we can ask questions. When we do, we'll begin to see each other differently. We'll begin to identify the praiseworthy characteristics within each other and call forth the best of each other in our homes and our church. Practicing this is going to mean that we glorify one another. Secondly, uh, we've got to embrace our diverse roles. Uh, the, The two main images, the two main metaphors in the New Testament for the church are a body and a building. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the church as, as a body, that there's an eye, there's a knee, there's an elbow, there's fingers, there's fingernails, there's hair, there's, there's eyes. I mean, there's, there's so many different body parts that we have, and I'm not any, in any way in the medical field, and I can understand it. But they're all different, but they all have the unifying principle of being one body. And then, then we have a temple, Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, a temple, this building is made up of so many different stones and so many different types of material, but they all come together to form this one building. They're interdependent. Um, I heard a story uh, recently from a pastor, and a pastor uh, said that when they got to this church, uh, he had uh, three different people come into his office and say, here's the issue at our church. Let me tell you, new pastor, the, the thing you need to fix. The first person comes in and says, Pastor, adjoining our uh, property is a trailer park, and we've done a really poor job of building relationships and reaching out to those people. This is, th- this is what you need to lead. This is a charge you need to get behind. And he said, hey, thanks for coming in. I'm re- really listening to what you have to say. Thanks so much. Second person comes in a couple days later and says, hey, there's going to be people who are going to come in your office and say the trailer park is the issue we need to address here. But what we really need to address is that we don't care for each other very well within within our church. We've got to care for one another better than we have been. He's like, man, thank you so much for letting me know what you think the issues are. A third person comes in and says, hey, some people are going to talk about the trailer park. Some people are going to talk about caring for one another. But what we really need to do is we need to do a lot better job at communication. We got to do a lot better job at putting some financial processes in, in, in place here, so that we run more smoothly as an organization. He said, "Hey, thank you so much uh, for coming and sharing your concerns." And then he asked the question. He said, "Who's right?" And I thought, "Wow, I don't know. I think I'm kind of the trailer park guy. I'm thinking I'm the first kind of guy." And he he blew me away. And he said, "All of them. They're all looking at the same church." in the same community, and they see different things because they have different gifts. But what we usually do is we usually settle for a form of gift envy or gift righteousness. In gift envy, we shame our gift because of other people's gifts that we wish we had. In gift righteousness... We see our gift as supreme and we wish everybody else would get on board and tell us how great our gift is. And what's the result of gift envy and gift righteousness division? They can't embrace diversity, can't embrace the the diversity of gifts. But what happens when each of us treasures the uniqueness of the other and find ways to put all these gifts to use, use within our church? Unity happens. This is what happens within the community of the Trinity, and this is when we would see resurrection happen right in front of our eyes. Diversity within one another. Lastly, the practicing it, loving one another. Um, If we practice this kind of community, the resurrection is going to take hold of us. Jesus' prayers that he prays here to the Father begin to come true. Verses 21, 22, 23, he prays that we would be one. We we would be unified. Verse 22, he says that we would reflect the glory that Jesus has given us. Verse 26, that Jesus' love would be in us. These are the requests that Jesus makes of the Father. This is Jesus' prayer. Do you think Jesus' prayers are going to go unheard? Do you think the Father is not going to grant Jesus' requests? Well, friend, Jesus did and is continuing to pray us into relationship with one another. And our relationships are forming as we disclose ourselves that there's no secrets. There's nothing to hide as we share our hurts and our struggles and confess our sins to one another. And His prayers being answered when we share our time, our talent, and our pressure with treasure with one another as needs arise. His prayers being answered when we delight in one another, when we see victories happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, this resurrection community is going to happen among us because the Holy Spirit is at work in our midst. But we're not the only ones who benefit from this community. Look at verses 21 and 20c. We see the results of the community. Verse 21. That they also may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us. Look at this clause right here. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. So why is this unity happening? Why are they going to be in such good relationship with one another? So that the world would believe. Look at verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me. So, who's going to benefit from this kind of community, from this resurrection community? The world is. Those on the outside. We become a magnet for the unbelieving world. We're the only community that exists in the world for the benefit of those on the outside who aren't a part of it. Um, I'm going to drop two big terms on you. I'm not sure if these are astronomical terms or if they're um, physics terms. but somehow I remember these words from a long time ago, probably that the Ken Fizz building at UK. I was only in there for two classes. I got C's in both. Um, there are two words. One's uh, centrifugal and the other centripetal. Centrifugal and centripetal. Centrifugal force uh, is, is a force that acts outward on a body, moving it around a center. It's like those swings at amusement parks where you sit on the swing and the center column begins to turn, and the faster it turns, the farther out the swings go. I mean, I wouldn't, I've just seen it, I've never been on it, because I don't do that. (laughs) That's centrifugal force. uh, Centrifugal means center-fleeing. Center-fleeing. Centripetal force is just opposite. Centripetal means center-seeking. Things are drawn to the center in centripetal, and centrifugal things are drawn outward. Well, when we usually think about the mission of the church, when we usually think about evangelism, we usually think about centrifugal. We don't think about centripetal. See, we, we think about that, that the church is sent out into the world to live and proclaim the gospel. And this is true, and we need to practice this. But mission is also centripetal, according to our passage here in John 17. The lost world begins to be drawn into our community when we're living this resurrection among us. They see true love empowered by the Holy Spirit among us and they want to get in on it. Jesus said this to the disciples, John 13. Verse 35, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So is this true for us? Are people being drawn into our community because of the way we glorify one another? By the way that we embrace one another's uniqueness? Because of the depth and quality of our relationships? Is this happening? Friend, there's a lot at stake at Easter. Life is at stake. Christian, you can think uh, correctly about Jesus. You can behave rightly, you can worship politely, and still live very badly. You can live an anemic, individualistic, bored, trivial life, or you can let Jesus' prayers for a resurrected community explode in your life. It's very critical for us that we get in the resurrection and we make it our own. It's critical that we realize that the resurrection didn't just happen. And it did. It's a historical reality that I'd love to talk to you about. But the resurrection continues to happen among us. And too often we make the resurrection just a matter of apologetics. But the call today is to receive the Holy Spirit by whom Jesus was raised and by whom Jesus was sent so that you and I can continue to participate in the resurrection community of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, this is a hard word for us. We're a lot better at focusing on ourselves. And when we do, we're staying in the grave. But Lord, we want to experience this resurrection. We want to draw from its power the Lord overwhelm us with this power and help us to love one another. In Christ's name, amen.